reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, and insult you, and persecute you, and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice, glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. So mountains are very big thing in the Bible. Even if you've never really read the Bible very much, you know the images of the Bible provides to us of mountains that are really, really important because that's where people go to meet God. The biggest mountain in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Scriptures is Mount Sinai. We know Mount Sinai because that's where Moses climbed to the top of. That's where he experienced the presence of God in an extremely powerful way. And that's where God gave him a couple of tablets with a lot of nine shalls and they shall pots on it. Ten commandments, three about worshiping him and staying away from idolatry. And the rest of the seven others on how to get along together as human beings as you walk through the desert. Now what Moses did on top of that mountain was really important. And what the people experienced down below, off of the mountain, was really important because as they looked up there, knowing Moses was up there at the very top of Mount Sinai, what they saw was thunder and lightning and storm clouds and, and, and all kinds of cacophony. What Moses experienced, somehow or other, in the midst of all of that storm, was the presence of God. He didn't get a direct look at it. He wasn't able to touch God. He kind of talked to God. God moved back in the lightning, and somehow or other, he ended up with tablets. Only to go down the mountain, find his people worshiping the golden calf, breaks the tablets, and has to go back up again to the place where he set. The other mountain, it's huge this time in the New Testament, is the one we encounter in today's gospel. 
So Jesus is really just sort of beginning his ministry. He's still up in Galilee, his homeland. And it is up in Galilee that he finds a mountain where he can teach. Jesus is ready to start telling the people of Galilee what's up with God. And really, what's up with us with God. Now he has a pretty good sermon line up. But this just isn't any sermon. This just isn't any teaching. When Jesus goes up that mountain, he's saying to the people below, come up and experience the presence of God as you've never experienced it before. Come follow me up to the top of the mountain. Don't stay down there below with your, with your idols and your problems and your troubles. Come on up to the mountain. I want you to meet God himself. This is an extraordinary invitation. It's not like what happened with Moses on Mount Sinai. What Jesus does when he gets that crowd of people, both his disciples and his new followers, up on the sides of that mountain is something altogether greater than anything Moses ever did. God bless Moses. But what happens on the mountain in the Gospel of Matthew is not just lightning and thunder. None of that. It's not explosions and powerful words. None of that. What happens up there on that mountain is the crowd, the people, Jesus' disciples, draw so close to God that they can touch Him. They draw so close to the one true God of their ancestors that they can put their hands in His hands that they can feel his heart up against their hearts. Most important of all, that they can directly and immediately hear God's own word. Now that word, word, for the Hebrew people is not just like the words that come out of our mouths, blah, 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 blah. The Hebrew people, the word, is something that came from deep within, it came from the spirit, heart, the very soul of the person. So when Jesus begins to speak, it is God's word to God's people. It is God's breath, it is God's spirit that they are about to hear on that mountain. So what does Jesus say to them? With his very first words, Jesus begins a revolution. A revolution of the heart, a revolution of the spirit, indeed a revolution of the entire value system of the Hebrew people and really the whole world. Because everybody knows that as soon as Jesus says the word blessed are, they know what the answer is going to be. They know what's going to continue. Blessed are the high priests in the temple because they get to be so close to God's presence in the holy temple. Blessed are all the people who serve the temple. They're next in line in blessedness. Blessed are those who have had a good time in life who've never really been sick because sickness means God's angry at you. So if you've never been sick, God bless you. God has blessed you greatly. You're a good person. Blessed are those who've never had to grieve over the loss of somebody in their family of death because death, of course, is darkness and death is evil. And, and death is not of God. 
If you're suffering from death, then that means you did something wrong, probably. You couldn't even touch a dead body without losing your, your purity in their culture. So, you know, blessed are those who have villas outside of Jerusalem. Blessed are those who have health and wealth and all of that stuff. So Jesus begins his first words with blessed are. And this is the revolution of Jesus. This is why the gospel is so challenging. This is why the gospel still has not been accepted across the centuries in the hearts of many, many, many people. Because Jesus then goes on to say, not blessed are the high priests, not blessed are the healthy, not blessed are the wealthy, not blessed are those who are really, really holy. Not blessed are those who spend their days studying the scriptures. Blessed, instead, he says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit in Matthew's gospel. Blessed are the poor. Now hold on here just a minute, Jesus. The poor are not blessed. They're unblessed. They're being punished by God. Their poverty is a sign that they are not holy people. Their poverty is a condemnation of them. We don't go no near, near poor people. Matthew adds the in spirit to make it a little wider. It's not just material poverty, but it's all kinds of poverty. Whatever human poverty you have, spiritual, mental, emotional poverty. Jesus looks at this crowd of people that he's drawn up to this mountaintop to be close to God, to be close to him. And he says, guess what, brothers and sisters, you are the holy ones. You are the blessed ones. The kingdom of God belongs to you. And everybody's going, no, that doesn't make any sense. That's not what we've been taught. That's not what they taught us in the synagogue. It's blessed are those people over there. We're the bad people. We're the poor people. We're the people who grieve. We're the people who are persecuted. We're the people who are stepped on. We're the people God doesn't like very much. And Jesus goes, no, that is not who God is, that is not how God feels, that is not what God believes about you and knows about you. You in your poverty are blessed. You in your mourning and your grief are blessed. You in your humility are blessed. You in your sickness are blessed. The kingdom of God is here with you, with you. <laughs> and that is the revolution of Jesus. He turns the value system of his culture, of his religion, of his, of his time, really of the world, upside down. And when he says the kingdom of God is with you, what does he say to the people there? As they're listening to this, with smiles on their faces, nobody's ever told them that they are blessed. What's he saying to them? He adds, the kingdom of God is yours, present tense here, right now. He's saying to them in no uncertain words, look, if you are poor, then God is poor with you. If you are grieving, then God is grieving with you. If you are sick, then God is sick with you. 
you're being picked on unjustly, then God is being picked on unjustly with you. It's powerful. The people knew it. The people knew that something new. That's why they say he preaches with authority. They sense that they are in the presence of God himself and God's word, God's breath, God's spirit is coming down upon them on that mountain. So, here we are. Even all these centuries later, we say often enough, and with good reason to complain, oh boy, I sure am blessed. I sure am blessed because look at my nice house. I sure am blessed. I sure am blessed because I've got really good health. And I'm blessed. I sure am blessed because, you know, I, all my kids are doing so great. I am blessed. And all of that is fine. We can say that as much as we want. But we also have to understand the revolution on that mountaintop that Jesus began. The real blessing, the capital B blessing, is something quite different from health status in society, whatever status that might be. The real blessing that Jesus brings to us and that he proclaims to the people of that time on that mountainside and to us is that it is when we are sick that we are blessed because God is sick with us in Jesus. It is when we are having a hard time that we are blessed because God is having a hard time with us in Jesus. It's, it's when we are forced to be meek and humble in front of others that we are blessed because God is meek and humble with us in Jesus. And most important of all, it is when we are poor in body, in material wealth, or in spirit, maybe especially in spirit. We are most deeply blessed because God is poor with us in Jesus. Those words are